This morning, if you don't, we're going to give you an opportunity. We're an accommodating church. We'll give you that opportunity before you leave here today to know that you're on the winning side, that you're on the right side, and when all the smoke clears, uh, that you'll be standing there with Christ. Good to see you on this last Sunday before Christmas. Boy, time has flown by, hasn't it? It seems like just the other day we were getting the decorations all up and uh, began singing Christmas songs, and here we are the last Christmas before, uh, the last service before Christmas, and hope that you have taken full advantage of the privilege of what we have to sing about our Savior during this time. And for those of you that are last-minute shoppers, you better get busy. It'll be here before you know it, or next Sunday morning you'll show up with a bad look on your face because you had a bad Christmas because you weren't shopping, but I hope that you're looking forward to what all this season is about, and that's what this series that we've been preaching on Sunday mornings is all about, Home for the Holidays, and if you're visiting with us here today, hope that our people have made you feel welcome, you feel at home here at Central. Colossians chapter 2 this morning, go ahead and be turning there. Colossians chapter number two. Good to see a lot of our folks back uh, that have been out, not feeling well. It's always good to have our family home here at Central for the holidays. It's been a good week. Last uh, Wednesday, we had our outdoor service. That's always a special time. Had a wonderful turnout for that, and the weather wasn't as cold as last year, so it was a little bit more enjoyable. Uh, We didn't have to uh, be out there in the frigid air, but had a good time of uh, fellowship, good time of music. Our our JV and our varsity bands performed, and we had good piano playing and good singing. And then looking forward to this upcoming Wednesdays, we have our candlelight service where we observe as a church body uh, the Lord's Supper. Looking forward to that. That and what a special time of the year to be able to do that. Colossians chapter number two. If you're there, let's stand. <clears throat> if you would look over to verse 13. Colossians 2 is a very deep book, a very deep chapter. And I was trying to decide where we begin reading this morning to get the context of the message. And uh, for sake of clarity, we're only going to read three verses over beginning in verse 13. Colossians chapter number two. Look over to verse 13. <clears throat> the Bible says, And you that's mean us, being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Aren't you glad they're all forgiven? Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it to his cross. Verse 15, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. Let's pray together. Lord, I do thank you for the privilege to be here today. And Lord, I thank you for the privilege of being able to celebrate the birth of not just a Savior, but for those of us that are saved, we can say the birth of our Savior. Thank you, Father, that he is mine, and I can know for sure that, Father, I have a home in heaven. I pray that, Father, if there's one here today who's not sure about that, that even right now you'd begin unsettling their heart, that they would see that, Lord, he could be their Savior as well. And for those of us that are saved, help us reflect upon, Lord, what this season is all about. Help us not to miss it, get caught up in the traditions of it all, but help us, Father, reflect and, Lord, take uh, comfort in the truth of what this season is all about. Bless this message. Help us preach what you'd have us to, the way you'd have us to. And I pray we receive it, respond to it, Lord, according to your will in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. The last three weeks, we've been looking at a series called Home for the Holidays. And uh, our gospel tracks, as you'll see on the screen this morning, our gospel tracks that we've been going out on Saturdays and hopefully throughout the rest of the week individually, uh, inviting people to come be a part of this series we're doing is really focusing in on exactly what Christ came to do. We celebrate his birth 
but what we're looking at in this series is all that Christ had to do to restore mankind back to God. Mankind at one time had a perfect relationship with God all the way back there in the Garden of Eden, but we know what happened. Sin spoiled our relationship and separated us from an almighty and a perfect God. He is holy, we were unholy, and our sin separated us from him. But it was through God's goodness and his grace and his love that he did not desire that relationship stay that way. Uh, He devised the plan to send his only begotten son to restore us back to him. God wanted us one day to be able to come home to our Father and spend eternity with our Father. And so we celebrate during Christmas the birth of our Savior. I mentioned this, I think it was on, uh, on Wednesday. We celebrate the birth and we acknowledge and memorialize the death of Christ. But oftentimes we don't put enough focus on the life of Christ. Uh, Because he didn't just come to be born, and he didn't just come to die. There were things in between that he had to do for you and I in order for us to be saved. And so the last few weeks, we've been looking at how Christ came to bring us home for the holidays. There's a lot of details that Christ had to work through on our behalf in order for us to be saved. I'm sure just in a few days, many of you will hit the roads, and you'll be heading home for the holidays to be with friends or to be with family. And when you talk about going Going home for the holidays, it's not just snapping your finger and hopping in the car, is it? Oh, no, no, no. Especially for you moms that are out there and you wives that are out there. It's usually you that's doing most of the work preparing that trip, correct? Uh, I mean, you have to call with relatives. The hardest part is coordinating, getting everybody at the same place at the same time, isn't it? Uh, I mean, you would think we were trying to coordinate a military strike, trying to get our family all at the same place at the same time that we could celebrate Christmas, right? So you have to do all the coordinating. And then you have to plan out, all right, what are we going to be eating? Who's going to be bringing this? What do I need to bring? And then you got to find out which relatives are going to be there so that you can make sure you have a gift for them because that's awkward when you're there, they're there, and you don't have a gift for them. That's why you always take extras, take extra tags. You can fill it out as soon as you get there, you know? You just never know. You're going to have to prepare for that. And then you have to decide, okay, what are we going to wear? I mean, look, the thing is matching pajamas, right? We all have to have matching pajamas. We're getting together. Why? Because we need the picture. Why? Because we got to post it. So you got to have the pajamas so that you can get the picture so that you can have the post. You knew I was going to alliterate that with all P's, correct? I'm a preacher. That's what I do. And so we got to have the matching pajamas so we can get the picture so we can make the post so that everybody envies our Hallmark family that's only like that in the pictures. It's not like that in reality. Ten minutes before the picture, we're fighting, we're scrapping, we're clawing over the last turkey leg. And so, you know, it's just the picture that counts. And so all of this coordination has got to happen. Uh, then we got to make sure the car is good to go. we got to make sure we have gas in the tank and got to make sure we can afford the gas in the tank. Uh, and so many things that we've got to do before we can go home for the holidays. It's the same way with Christ. In order to restore man back to God, it wasn't just him being born, and it wasn't just him dying. There was a lot of hurdles that he had to clear for mankind to be reconciled back to God. By the way, the reason he had to come is because we couldn't clear the hurdles. All right? Uh, We couldn't get over all of the obstacles that stood in our way of getting back to our Father. So he sent his only begotten Son to run the race for us, to clear the hurdles for us, so that we could find our way back to the Father and be home with him throughout eternity. The first week we looked at John 14, 6, where the Bible says, Jesus says, I am the way, 
The message was finding the way home. In order for us to get home, we've got to know the way home. Jesus came, John 14, 6, and he says, I am the way. Last week, we looked at the cost to come home. It wasn't a free trip. Christ had to pay the standing debt that you and I had. We had a sin debt that had to be paid in order for us to be able to make our way to the Father. Now, we're going to look at something else that we had to take care of or he had to take care of in Colossians 2 this morning. Notice the Bible says, if you would look down to verse 14, the Bible says, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us. In Colossians chapter 2, we see a new problem, if you will, that had to be cleared up for you and I to return home to our Father. So we see that our sin was a debt that had to be paid in order for us to have a right relationship with God. But we see in verse number 14 that our sin is what broke God's law. All right, the Bible says, for all have sinned. You and I, we are all sinners, okay? And I've only met about two people in my life who told me they were not sinners. I was out soul wedding one night in Summerall, knocked on the door of a, of a single wide trailer there, and was witnessing to a gentleman, uh, and I explained to him the plan of salvation. The Bible says, for all have sinned. He says, I'm not. I said, oh, Really? I said, well, the Bible says all. He says, I'm not. So I guess the Bible was lying, and he was excluded from that. I honestly wanted to take him down to Lake Mike Connor and see if he could walk on water since he hadn't sinned. But no, I digress. I did not do that. We are all sinners. That sin was a debt that had to be paid. But we also see that when we broke God's law, look, we committed an eternal crime. As with every crime, a crime comes with consequences consequences. Now, hear this out this morning. Regardless of how bad you and I want a relationship with God, did I tear that up, guys? It sounds funny. Regardless of how bad you and I wanted a relationship with God, we had to answer the charges that we had standing against us. Not only was a debt that had to be paid, there were charges against us. Now, that's where Jesus comes in. You see, in order for us to answer the charges, we would have to carry out our sentence in a devil's hell all throughout eternity. God didn't want that to happen. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Why? He had him come serve out the sentence for us. Listen to what the Bible says in Isaiah 61, 1. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, listen close, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. You and I, because of our sin, were prisoners and captives to sin, and yet he sent Christ to open the prison doors so that we could go free. Now, before you go too far, you need to understand something. This was not a prison break. All right? Jesus didn't come down from heaven and say, I'm going to let all of you guys out. Run, run, run. That's not what he did, okay? What Jesus did was he cleared us of the charges. This is not where Jesus come just to let us off the hook. He came and paid the price and cleared it for us so that we could be free. Now, I want to show you this morning how he did that. How Jesus took care of the charges we had against us and cleared the record so that we could go home back to the Father. Notice, if you will, verse 14, the Bible says, blotting out the handwritings of ordinances that was against us. Christ cleared the way for us. And this morning, we're going to look at a simple message entitled, Clear to Come Home. Cleared to come home. Now, let me show you how Christ cleared the way for us. The Bible says he blotted out the handwriting 
of ordinances. Now, what's an ordinance? An ordinance is a statute or it is a law. Now, we know because of our sin, we broke God's law. We broke his ordinance or his statute, and we stood undeniably guilty before God. We're all guilty. Why? Because we're all sinners. We all broke God's law. I heard my dad telling a story the other day. I can't remember where he was telling it, but told the story of my sister and I when we were kids. We were at a hotel in Florida. My brother was a baby, and uh, we were watching him. Mom and dad went to the front desk for something. And while we were there, we had this bright idea of what would happen if you threw a baby's diaper into a ceiling fan. Now, where those thoughts come from, I don't know, okay? You have dumb thoughts, too. They probably come from the same place, but I'm not sure where that one came from. It was a clean diaper, too, okay? I can see some of you like, no, it was... I'm not that dumb, okay? It was a clean diaper. And so for some odd reason, I can't remember if she threw it, Seth, or I threw it. I just can't remember. But one of us threw the diaper up in the ceiling fan in the hotel room, and all of a sudden, poof, a million little pieces of cotton were all over the hotel floor. I mean, we couldn't pick them up fast enough. All of a sudden, on cue, mom and dad walk in the door. I mean, what do you do? What happened? I don't know. Zach did it. He's a baby. He just stood up in the fan. When they walked in the door, I was guilty. I could say nothing. They, I mean, look, it was everywhere. It was evident. It was obvious that I had done something wrong or we had done something wrong. They were laughing so much, they found it hard to spank us, and we were thankful for that. But here's what I want you to see this morning. As a sinner, that's how we all stood before God. We stood guilty as charged. We had nothing to say. All right? Mom and dad walk in the hotel room. Well, I didn't have an answer. Something came over me. I just wondered. Diaper fan seems to work everywhere. I had no answer for that. That's how you and I stood. We had no answer. Now watch closely. The good news is God had an answer. God had an answer for your sin and for mine, and the answer was his only begotten son. And number one this morning, I want you to see something in verse number 14. Christ answered the evidence. It was against us. Mom and dad walk in, and they see all the cotton all over the floor. The evidence is everywhere. But I didn't have an answer for it. It was just a dumb idea that we had. I also did not have an answer for my sin. I was guilty as charged. But Christ had an answer. What was the answer? The first part of verse 14 says, he blotted out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us. That term blotting out literally means to cover over. To cover over. Now, stick with me. Through Christ and through his shed blood on the cross, my sins have been covered over. They've been blotted out. They are out of view. You cannot see them. Now, hear me out. I had a speeding ticket one time. Believe it or not, I know you find that hard to believe, but I got a speeding ticket one time in Mendenhall, Mississippi. I've gotten two or three in Mendenhall. I was coming to up Highway 13, just past some chicken houses on my way to work in D-Lo. We were building a house there. And uh, all of a sudden, this uh, cop was hiding out in a road where a chicken house was. And I was in my PT Cruiser, man, Fireball Express. You wouldn't think that little pregnant roller skate could go so fast. But, man, that dude was booking it down the road. And all of a sudden, those blue lights come on. I think you lose a year of your life every time you look in your rearview mirror and you see blue lights. <gasps> you just cringe. I pulled over. He said, sir, I've got you doing 73 and a 55. I knew it. 
why, why is it 55 anyway? I think it ought to be at least 70, but it's straight road, no curves. But anyway, that was the law, and I had broken it. He gave me a nice ticket. He didn't even ask me for an excuse. He just gave me a ticket. I went down to the courthouse in Simpson County to pay the ticket, and there I sat. And in my hand, I had an ordinance against me. I had an ordinance against me. I'd broken the ordinance, and I had it in my hand. And I'm sitting there in the room, and look at this guy. He got one, too. What did you do? 65 and a 55. <laughs> 73 and a 55. Look over at this guy, you know. What did you do? He got one. He got one. And we're all just sitting there with ordinances, yeah. We kind of had a club, a fraternity of people with broken ordinances that were there. On that ordinance was my name, Jeremiah Andrews. Read on down, speeding, 73 slash 55. Oh, he got me. He got me. It was $10 per mile over. Do the math. I go up there. I slide the ordinance over to the lady in the courtroom, and she looks at it, and she says, oh, they got you. I'm like, yeah, whatever. She was more excited about it than I was. She said, 73 and 55, ooh, that'll be $180. I was guilty. It was right there. But wait a minute, wait a minute. Because of Christ, I have these ordinances that I have broken. I have broken God's law. I am a sinner. I have transgressed his word. Look, I am guilty. And yet Christ came to blot out my sin. What does that mean? He comes to cover them over. Now, here's, here's the good part. The Bible says that in Revelation chapter 12 that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. What does that mean? Satan's like a prosecuting attorney, all right? Satan comes before the judge, and he says, judge, he's broken the law. He Look, I break the law spiritually all the time. I get impatient. I can be unkind. I mean, I walk with God as I should. I break God's law. But thanks be to God, 1 John 1, 9 says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. What is he doing? He's covering them. He's blotting them out. So watch this. Here comes Satan. He comes before God. Yeah, that preacher down there, Central Baptist Church, look, he hollered at his wife the other day. He got behind somebody who was going slow in the fast lane, and he got two inches from their bumper. Oh, he's impatient. Oh, he's unkind. And yet what he doesn't know, I'd already gone to the judge of all eternity, my heavenly father, and I said, Father, forgive me. I confess to you. I'm guilty. I have been impatient. I have been unkind. And watch this. He blotted them out. And so when Satan brings the broken ordinance before God, he doesn't see them. They've been blotted out. Now, here's what I love. I was actually preaching this going down the road to my family today. They hear these messages twice. How did he blot them out? How did he blot them out? Hebrews 9.22, the Bible says, Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. That word remission means pardon. Without the shedding of blood. Do you know the only thing that was powerful enough to blot out your sin and mine? The evidence that Satan had against me, he was right. He had me dead to rights. I was guilty before God. And the only thing that could blot out my sin and yours was the precious blood of Christ. I'm fixing to give you a principle, okay? If they give you a principle, you need to remember this when you get ready to blot something out. The thing doing the blotting has got to be more powerful than the thing being blotted. Are you with me? All right? The thing doing the blotting has got to be more powerful than the thing that's getting blotted. You see what I mean by that? Well, if the thing that's blotting out something is not more powerful, you're still going to see it. 
Like when you and I try to substitute our good works for the blood of Christ, it's an insufficient substitute. I'll give you an example. I brought one up here. I use these all the time in my study. You know what that is? That's a highlighter. And I'll take this highlighter and I'll mark through some of the words so that I'll remember what they are in my notes. That's how I remember what's what in my notes, what's scriptures and what's this and what not. But you know what? You can highlight all day long and you can mark over it all day long with a highlighter, but you can still see what's there. Why? Highlighters aren't good blotters. Because what's underneath it, the ink is stronger than the highlighter. But you know what Christ's blood is a lot like? I asked the office this morning, anybody had any, we couldn't find any. You remember the little tubes or the little bottles of white out? Remember that? I think they banned it because people were sniffing it. Shame on you. Now I have to use that stinking tape. I hate that stuff. It bottles up. I need the stuff in the bottle with the paintbrush. It blots it out. Now, folks, understand this this morning. This is important. The Bible says that Christ came to blot out our sin. That means to cover them. And when the devil brings the broken ordinances before God, those of us that have trusted in the shed blood of Jesus Christ, God looks down, they're not there. They've been blotted out. You see, that's what he came to do. He can accuse all that he wants. That's why Psalms 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far hath removed our transgressions from us. He doesn't see them because they're under the blood. But here's the problem this morning. Oftentimes we try to find something else to cover our sin. The other day I got some oil on one of my dress shoes, a little spot of oil right there on the top of my dress shoe. And I said, I'll take care of it when I get home. And I went home and I said, you know, uh, maybe I can get some Dawn. You know, what does it say? Dawn takes grease out of the way. I thought so. So I, you know, put it on my shoe and I'm sitting there scrubbing it, scrubbing it, scrubbing it. It didn't take the grease out of the way. They lied. And then I thought, you know what, if I can't wash it off, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get one of those little tins with that kiwi uh, shoe wax, you know, that shoe polish, and I'm going to polish it. And so I gooped it all on the toe of my shoe, and I began scrubbing and scrubbing and scrubbing, but you're never going to believe this. That spot just kept reappearing. There was nothing that I could do to it that would cover up the spot that was on my shoe. You see, I didn't have anything that was sufficient to cover it up. That's why the Bible says in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, for by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. You can't cover what only the blood of Christ can do. And so when the, watch this. When Satan comes before God and he has the broken ordinance, hey, I got them dead to rights. They were doing 73 to 55. I've got them. They're guilty. God looks down and it's all been blotted out. It's all been blotted out. Why? Because Christ answered the evidence. That's what he came here to do. We couldn't answer it. We didn't have an answer for it, but God did. Verse 9, Ephesians 2, the Bible says, not of works. You can't scrub it off. You can't cover it up. Only the blood of Christ is the answer to the evidence the devil has against us. Now, uh, for those of you that are conspiracy theorists this morning, and I know some of you are, I did a little reading about how the government redacts documents. You know what that means? Uh, because of the Freedom of Information Act, you can get just about any government documents you want, but the government gets to redact or blot out anything that they don't want you to read. I have a picture of it this morning. Uh, this is a file from Area 51, all right? Somebody just woke up for the first time in the message, all right? Area 51. And we have all of these things here. Okay, so here we go. Unidentified flying objects, real government document here. UFO on, I don't know. Aware of various unidentified objects in, I don't know. Unidentified silent light moving. What is that? I know what silent night is, but I don't know what silent light is moving. The light was a satellite, not an aircraft, and so on and so forth. Watch this. They blotted out what they don't want us to read. 
All right, I know what some of you are thinking. That's because the little green men are real, all right? You can have that one all you want. I, I have no clue. But that's what it looks like when something's blotted out. You may want to know real bad what's under there, but you're not going to find it. Why? It's been blotted out. Now, here's what I love. Oh, the Satan loves to accuse me. Satan loves to go to my father and tattletale on me and tell him, boy, he's been doing this and he's been doing that. But what he doesn't realize is it's been blotted out. The father can't see it. It's gone. Why? Because Christ had an answer for the evidence. I didn't. My good works wouldn't do it. My baptism would not wash it away. But the blood of Christ blotted it out. It's out of you. And no matter how bad Satan wants to see it, he can't see it. Now, folks, let me tell you something this morning. If you're not saved and yet to trust Christ, can I tell you that he came to blot out your sin just like he came to blot out mine? All right? It wasn't something just reserved for a select few. That's why it says, whosoever. Verse 14, blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that were against us. Instead of him seeing the charges, he sees the blood of Christ. Now, remember in John chapter 8, there was a woman taken in adultery. Remember that? She's guilty. She was taken in the very act of adultery. Now, we know it was a kangaroo court. We know that. We know it was a setup, but we know she was guilty. She was guilty. They bring her before Christ, and they said, Moses said we should stone them. This was all a trap to try to get Jesus, but it wasn't going to work. Moses said we should stone her. What sayest thou? Do you know what they're asking for? Do you have an answer? Do you have an answer? What sayest thou? Jesus is sat there ignoring them, riding on the ground. And finally, he stands up and says, he that is without sin, let him cast the first stone. And the Bible says one by one, they begin to get convicted and they walked away. What did he tell the woman? Finally, she looked up and he says, woman, where are thine accusers? They're gone. He had an answer. And his answer was sufficient. And the accusers are gone. This morning, there is still an accuser of the brethren. His name is Satan. But I'm thankful I have an answer for Satan. All because Christ came to answer the evidence that was against me. He blotted out the handwriting of ordinances. Watch what it says. That was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. So notice what he did. Not only did he blot out the charges that were against us, I want you to see three particular words in verse 14. The Bible says that he took it. He took it. You see, the Bible says sin was contrary to us. That means it opposed us. Sin is what stood between us and having that right relationship with our Father. But sin stood between us and was contrary or opposed us. It kept us from the Father. But not only did Christ come to blot out our sin, the Bible says he took it. And what did he do with it? He took it out of the way. Christ not only came to blot out my sin, he came to carry it away. Now this is important. Regardless of the charges that are against us, Whatever stands between you and God this morning, he took it. He took it. So what you don't understand, I can't be saved. It's amazing how many times I'll be out soul winning, witnessing someone in the grocery store, and they'll tell me why they can't get saved. Well, you don't know where I came from. I say, it doesn't matter where you came from. What matters is where you're going. And you can nail that down because of what Jesus did for you. But they're like, you don't understand. Boy, I've got a long rap sheet. 
Man, I've been drunk and drugs and I killed 15 people and four spotted owls and, you know, I just did all of that. I poured my motor oil in my backyard and it sank and polluted the ground and all of these things. Man, there's just no way. Well, the Bible says here that that broken law that was against us, he took it out of the way. Number two, I can come to the Father this morning. Why? Because Christ abolished the hindrance. Whatever it was that stood between you and God, Christ came and took it away. That means there's nothing this morning. Listen, listen, don't go on this pity party. Oh, woe is me. I'm such a bad sinner. Christ couldn't save me. Listen, he saved us all if we call upon him this morning. Why? Because he took it all out of the way, and there's nothing that stands between you and God today and having a right relationship with him. By the way, that's lost or saved. There's nothing that can keep a lost sinner lost this morning except for you deciding that you don't accept the free gift of what Christ did for you. There's nothing that can keep a Christian from having a right relationship with him this morning. Why? Because the Bible shows us he abolished the hindrance. Now, we desire a right relationship with God, don't we? We can't have it until that hindrance is gone. I mean, when there is sin in our life, whether lost or saved, we can't have it. Notice the Bible says, He took them out of the way, nailing it to his cross. He took it out of the way. It's gone. But it had to be removed for us to return back to him. That's what the Bible tells us in Psalm 66, 18. If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. As long as this is there between me and God, he's not hearing us. Something's come between us. I read it last week, Isaiah 59, 2. The Bible says your iniquities have separated between you and God. This has got to go. This has got to go. Now watch this this morning. I'm going to ask three guys to come up here right quick. We rehearsed this in the office. I hope it goes well. We're going to sing a song for it. No, not really. That would scare everybody off. All right, hurry, guys, hurry. The Lord's coming back. I'd like to finish the message before he does, okay? Get back up here. All right, I have three gentlemen right here. If you would stand right here to my right hand because you're good guys and good guys on the right hand, right? You're the sheep, goats over there. These young men represent us this morning, all right? These young men, would you like to have a right relationship with God? Yeah, all of us will. They need to. I've been praying for all of them to get saved for a long, long time. No, they already are, all right? But there's something in their life. There's an ordinance. Have you broken God's law? Have you broken God's law? Have you broken God's law? Yeah, you know how I know? Because for all have sinned, all right? So what is it that you've got? Let me see your ordinance. Let me see your ordinance. All right, let's open it up. Oh, this guy's a murderer. It's always the quiet ones. <laughs> it's always the quiet ones. You know it. Some of you people, yeah. Now I want you to notice, hold that right there. There's the ordinance. It was against him. Notice he tried to mark it out, but nothing he had would cover it. He tried his good works, and his good works wouldn't cover it. And so he still stands there guilty. He has the warrant. He has the ticket. The ordinance is still against him. What did you do? Who are you? Can't wait to find this one out. All right, let's see. This guy's a thief. Hold it up where everybody can see it. Okay, these folks over here like to see too. All right, this guy's a thief. He tried to cover it up with his baptism, but his baptism wouldn't do it. You can't cover it up. Listen, you can't cover that sin with baptism. It's only the blood of Christ. What about you down here? What, What did you do? What does your ordinance say? Oh, he's a blasphemer. I figured that as much. He's a blasphemer. So we have a murderer, a thief, and a blasphemer. And this stands between them and God. He will not hear them. He will not hear them. He says, look, you got an unpaid ticket. 
that's against you. But what does the Bible say that Christ did? Look at verse 14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way. Watch closely. Not only did Christ come to blot out our sin, here's what he did. He took it out of the way. What stood between them and God is now gone. What stands between you and God? Nothing. Nothing. They can now have a right relationship with God. Why? Because he took it out of the way. What did he do? Listen to verse 14. Nailing it to his cross. It doesn't matter this morning what it is that stands between you and God. Whatever your ordinance says this morning, thief, murderer, doesn't matter. Adultery, doesn't matter. Christ took it out of the way and he nailed it to his cross. And there's nothing this morning that stands between you having a right relationship with God. Can I ask you what's on your paper? What's on your ordinance? It may be a secret sin that only you and the Lord knows. But listen, he's the one who knows. And this morning, this is why you can't... All right, you guys will sit right there, right quick. I'm going to call you back up in a minute. Whatever it is this morning, the Bible says he took it. What did he do with it? He took it out of the way. Now, that means nothing can hinder you from having a right relationship with God. Understand this. If you're lost this morning, you've never trusted Christ. Don't you dare hold up anything before an almighty God and say this was greater than the sacrifice your son made. There's nothing, listen, there is no ordinance this morning that you broke that you can hold up and say, God, this is why I can't come home for the holidays. This is why I can't come to you. Look, he said, that's why I sent my son to blot it out and to take it away. So this morning, there's nothing keeping you from being saved. By the way, when he knocks on your heart's door for you to get saved, he knew what door he was knocking on when he started knocking. See, explain. Well, you say, well, the Lord knocks on your heart's door. Hey, I want to save you. And oh, he finds out you're a thief. He says, oh, sorry, wrong door. It doesn't work that way. It's like the other day, my wife has always wanted a VW Beetle, one of the 05, 06 models. And I always keep my eye out. And I saw one the other day. And I looked at the pictures. The pictures look really good. A guy in Texas had it. I'll call this guy and say, hey, look, I think that's the car that I want. So I called him. We're talking about it. And I said, anything that I need to know about it before I drive all the way to Great Plains, Texas to pick this thing up. He says, well, yes, it does have a lemon flag on it. Is it like a bumper sticker? You know, I can take a bumper sticker off, a lemon, you know, I don't have a problem. He says, no, there's a lemon flag on it that it went back to the manufacturer twice for the same issue. And because of lemon laws on the file of the car, there's a lemon law that says you, you need to know that. And I said, thank you, but never mind. You know, I put enough lemons in my own card and buy one that already has lemons in it. I said, look, I thought I wanted it, but I changed my mind. Do you know when God calls you, he knows about your lemons already. He knows. He knows about the mistakes you made, the places you've been. He even knows about the thoughts that you have thought. Wouldn't we all be ashamed this morning if our thoughts were revealed for everybody to see? Why? Because our heart is desperately wicked. All right? And yet he called us all the same. So what you've got, listen, you don't understand. You don't want me. He says, I know that. I knew it before I knocked on your heart's door. I knew you were a thief. I knew you were an adulterer. I knew you were whatever it is this morning. When he knocked on your heart's door, he had the understanding that his son had already abolished all the hindrances that would cause you not to be able to come back to the Father. The Bible says he took it 
out of the way. All the saved people say amen to that. But can I tell you, Christian, there's nothing hindering you from living for God either. Come back up here, guys, real quick. Just like we rehearsed it. Come on. We put a lot of work into this, okay? Working one day a week, whatever. All right, so now we have three saved young men up here. Now, they look saved on the man. They dress sharp, looking good, and, you know, 20 years. They might make a good husband for somebody out there in the audience today. Some of our girls are probably taking note of that. All right, got some saved young men here, but these saved young men aren't walking with God like they should. They want to have a right relationship with God, but they say, you know, just there's something wrong. All right, what is it? What is it? All right, so what it is. You see, he knew what it was. He went right to the pocket. He knew where it was. So do you. You know what it is? It's keeping you from walking with God. His says, hey, I can't serve God because somebody hurt me. Somebody in the church hurt me. And so I'm going to quit and give it up. I'm going to quit walking with God because somebody in the church hurt me. I want you to know this. Look, the one that you're called to serve, he didn't hurt you. Why are you taking that on him? Why aren't you walking with God? He was disappointed. Somebody disappointed him. Man, I saw the preacher in town the other day, three inches from somebody's bumper. I thought he was supposed to walk with God and walk on water and all of that. Well, you thought wrong. Preacher disappointed me. So I'm not going to go to church anymore. I'm going to quit not walking with God. What do you got? Failure. Oh, he messed up. He messed up. Didn't take out the garbage. Mom and dad got mad, disrespected mom and dad. He failed, so now I can't serve God. The Bible says here, in verse 14, correct me if I'm wrong, the Bible says he took away that which was against us and was contrary to us. That word contrary means anything that opposed us. That means anything that stood in our way from having a right relationship with God, he took it. That's not just for the lost, that's for the saved too. Can I ask you, thank you guys, go have a seat real quick. You can have a real seat this time. Go back to your place. Can I ask you, what is opposing you this morning? What is contrary? Well, you don't understand, you know? You disappointed me, pastor. You don't preach as good as the other guy. And so because of that, you know what? I'm not coming back to church. The Bible says that anything that opposes you or is contrary to you, having a right relationship with God, let's look at it again. Verse 14, the Bible says he took it out of the way. That means there is no excuse for the lost, there's no excuse for the saved not to have a right relationship with God because he took it out of the way. And so we stand there and we're like, why aren't you having a right relationship with God? And we start looking for our excuse. It's gone. Why? He took it out of the way. It's gone. Your failures, he's taken them out of the way. I'm thankful that we don't disqualify ourselves from having a right relationship with God the first time we fail or else I wouldn't be serving God today. Thank God he took away my failures this morning. Whatever it is that holds you back, the Bible says he took it. Now, I want you to think about this right quick, and I'll give you the last point. The Apostle Paul, before he was Paul, he was Saul. He was the guy that stood there and watched the coats, if you will, of the men who stoned Stephen to death. Stephen was a godly man who was murdered. He was the martyr for the cause of Christ. Paul stood there. Watched it all happen. He consented to his death. Can you imagine the guilt Paul had? 
Imagine the guilt Paul had. You know what he did? He said, you don't understand. I have failures in my life. Boy, I had a big failure. His name was Stephen. There's no, there's no way I can come before God. I, I had this failure. And yet we see him going on to live one of the greatest Christian lives that's ever been lived. Do you know why? Because his failures, his sin, his guilt were taken away. Now this morning, whatever it is on your paper that stands between you and a right relationship with God, he took it. He carried it away. Now notice what he did with it. Notice what he did with it. We're going to close with this. Verse 14, the Bible says he didn't sweep it under the rug. Jesus came down and what he did was he just took our sin, opened up the prison, let us go, and just said, hey, let's just call it even. No. Verse 14, the Bible says that when Jesus came, he took away our sin, anything that opposed us, and he nailed it to his cross. You see, the reason Christ cleared the way home, he cleared us, right? I'm not, listen, I'm not a convict on the run. I've been cleared. My record's clear. Why? The Bible says he took what I had broken and he nailed it to his cross. Number three, the reason we can come home and the way is clear to come home to God is because Christ accepted the consequence for me. Christ accepted the consequence. Now, what was a cross? Real quickly. A cross was an instrument of punishment. A cross was a place where the sentence was carried out. You see, my sins had to be paid for. The crime had to be paid for. The punishment had to be served, not forgotten. The Bible says that Christ took all the ordinances that stood between me and God. He didn't just sweep them under the rug. He took them and he nailed them to his cross. Now the sentence has been served. Now that's why he opens the prison doors that I could go free. That's why the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. Remission means pardon. I've been freed. I've been cleared. Why? Christ accepted the consequence. Philippians chapter 2, verse 8, the Bible says, Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto the death, even the death of the cross. You see, there's nothing this morning. If Christ was here, he could illustrate it by walking up and down each row, saying, okay, hand me your ordinance. What have you broken? I'm here. Okay, it doesn't matter. Oh, you know, well, I had this trouble in drugs. No, it doesn't matter. Just give it here. Give it here. Give it here. He goes around everywhere. And by the way, he'd get something from all of us. Some of us might have to give him a notebook or a folder. But he'd get something from all of us. He says, okay, I got it. And he took it and he nailed it to his cross. He served the sentence. He accepted the consequence in himself. That's why Galatians 3, the Bible says, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on a tree. He carried it away. Do you know why? Because he wanted you to be able to come home to the Father. He took it all out of the way. There's nothing this morning that can stand in the way of you having a right relationship with God, whether through salvation or as a Christian through repentance.
the only thing that can stand in your way is you. You say, but God, you don't understand. You ever think about that phrase? God, you don't understand, really. He created you. Somehow your heart keeps beating, most of the time never stopping for 60 or 70 years of your life. If, if God understands that, he understands your sin. Don't tell God, well, you don't understand where I've been, what I've done, what I've thought. You don't understand how wicked I am. God understands. And yet he says, I will draw all men unto me. All men. Listen, we've all broken that law. And we stand there with these ordinances. And he says, I took it to the cross. I served the sentence for you. And this morning, the way between you and God has been made clear. Can I ask you something this morning? If you're here and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior and you say, well, yeah, he took it. He took it away. Now, what stands between you and God? Nothing, it's just you. If you're here this morning and you're saved and you say, well, you know, my relationship with God, my walk with God is not as close as it should be. Can I ask you a simple question? I'm not being sarcastic. Why not? What is it that you're holding on to is why you don't have the relationship with God you should? That baby that we're about to celebrate's birth came for the very purpose to not only be born and not only die, but he came to answer the evidence. He's got an answer. It's his blood. And I promise you, it's a lot stronger than anything that you'll put it on. Not only that, but he accepted my consequence. He removed the hindrance. And this morning, I can come before God. You know, this morning, all of us, all of us, have times where there's something between us and him. Thanks be to God, it doesn't have to stay that way today. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Let's stop.